Hello and welcome to Tech Comedy Live. This time I've got a special guest and we are talking about investments and funding and what African American and people of color go through all the time. There are so much money out there available to founders, but as you know, a minute amount goes to black founders. In fact, statistically it has shown only 0.4% of the entire funding venture capital pool in America in one year went to black founders. So there is a problem. And on this podcast we have Chika Umedi, a Nigerian-born American who does investments and helps mentor startups within America but also for African startups within the African continent. He is essentially helping African founders bridge the gap between what they do and get their businesses vital money and exposure in the American ecosystem. Um I have, you know, I have a very unique perspective on uh what's going on specifically because I am Nigerian and American at the same time. So I am, you know, my parents are from Nigeria. I have a Nigerian identity, but I also have an Amer I I live I spend a majority of my time in America. Uh so for me I I you know this has really this this concept of being a bridge has really driven my kind of passion around what I do right um I have different I have experiences in both places and what I want to do is be a bridge for ideas capital and opportunities and and that's part of the reason why I started Tiphub um and so you know that that was at the core of why I started Tiphub uh but uh more about me you know um i'm a product manager by day i i work with fortune 500 companies and startups and help them build products internally or consumer products um i help them go through the ideation process the building process and uh the the go to market process um i've been doing that for a while it's something i've enjoyed doing uh i just i, I thoroughly enjoy kind of like figuring out creating valuable things right um by by day that's what i do by night i work with early stage companies in the african and african diaspora uh that are focused on focused on at focused at the intersection focused on company uh, solving massive solutions at the intersection of technology and impact right uh so companies that are taking a really big problem a really challenging problem like how do we make sure that everybody has insurance or how do we make sure that we can increase the amount of food that you know that uh we're you know we're 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 making you know we're we're farming or how do we make sure that everyone has access to equitable healthcare or how do we make sure people can you know get to school how do we make sure that people have clean water how do we make sure that you know waste management is done appropriately uh those some of those big questions and and we provide access to we provide funding uh advisory and overall just um a network and an ecosystem of support uh for these companies. Uh we've been in operation since 2000 and wow it's been so long. We've been in operation since 2014. Uh we've had we've had programs where VJs participated in two of them uh called Diaspora Demo where we've worked with uh early stage companies from all around the world in a 3 month accelerator 
and and then it culminated in a one week residency program in Washington D.C. Uh, where where uh, where companies got to pitch to um, where companies and investors got to meet each other and go through and, and companies got to go through uh, different programs as well. Um, so we've done that, and then we've also now shifted into building a kind of an innovation studio. Uh, so we've built out companies that are solving some of these problems um, at scale. And so that's that's kind of where we are right now. And in, in building some of these companies, we've also decided to invest in a couple of companies as well. Uh, so that that's kind of where we are right now. I do that by night. Um, uh, and then every now and then I, I get some sleep. Well, sleep is always good. Uh, if you're not sleeping, I would be concerned, um, as you know. If, if if Jeff Bezos can do eight to nine hours a day, I think we all we all can, <laughs> right? Personally, I'm speaking from that perspective because my business is based uh, on the continent, African continent, and I've also saw problems. But the but the issues I I've faced, um, at least the reasons that they've told me, the the problems with funding uh, African businesses, is the taxation issues and the frowning upon sending money overseas due to fraud and apparently one of the guys in, the, in our cohort, in the Tibhub cohort mentioned, trying to get money from America into African continent was, um, was labeled terrorism money or money that went to who knows what and it was getting blocked and there was so much of paperwork and red tape to get through that the investors simply look at an African startup and say, you know what, I'm not going to bother. Either you've got to have your company here and register in the United States, and then I can help you, but not actually fund within a, an African-registered company perspective. Do you think that's the biggest issue, or is there something else that I'm missing? Um, you know, I think you've mentioned some really good, like, th those are, like, when I talk about regulatory realities, that's, I think that that is what it is. Um, I'll be completely honest, you know, do do African market do African countries have some regulatory like cleanup to do to make the to make um, FDI uh, federal uh, no not federal FDI but um, foreign direct investment more um, a little bit easier yes um, is it are they like is it harder to do that than anywhere else not no right um, I think ultimately it comes down to uh, will and and size of prize, right? Uh, and I just don't think that the the will is the will is flowing floweth over yet, right? Like the there there's there's interest. I think we're at a point of like oh interest, like okay we're seeing or okay we're seeing companies with high valuations start to come out of the market. That's interesting, but you know there's still. I think there's still some, there's still some, there's just, there's not enough education, right? I, for example, you know, when I, when I trade in the equities market, you know, part-time, you know, um, casually, but when I trade in like a uh, U.S. equities market, right, I am very studious about like what I'm buying, right? Like I, you know, I read the filings i read you know their reports their quarterly reports their annual reports i you know look at user feedback i look at i take all of these data points and i really make a decision on what i'm going to 
you know, what I'm going to buy. Same thing with startups in, you know, startups in, you know, um, in, 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 you know, in Africa that we work with. Um, and, you know, when I say Africa, because we work with a bunch of companies all over Africa, um, you know, we've, we've done work with your, your company included in South Africa. Um, so I say, I say Africa as in like multiple countries. Um, but when I, when I think about it, you know, there's a lot of homework we have to do to understand the environments, right? We have to, you know, we have to be plugged in to the communities. We have to have relationships that help us understand what really works, where the trends are going. Um, we have to do our due diligence on founders. We have to think about the industries. We have to think about the, the, the regional markets. We do the research because we understand the opportunity. Um, the same way that, you know, other people, other people, if there was interest, they would do the research, understand the opportunity and shift their, their model accordingly to, to invest. Right. Um, you know, there are companies that have, you know, like, I mean, like, you know, you can set up a, you can set up a, a fund management company. If, for example, if I, if, if I was at the point where I was raising a fund, uh, you know, maybe I would set up, um, you know, a, a, an entity in like Mauritius that would give me access to the other African countries, right? Uh, maybe I do something like that to make it easier. Or maybe I would, you know, maybe I would, if I was serious, I would set up an office in a specific country and do the work to get to understand that country and then build out a fund there within the country. Um, so I just don't think the, the volume, I, so I don't think the, the, the will is there yet. And I don't think that the, the volume of opportunities that, you know, of interest, the volume of interest isn't at a point where people are, are kind of struggling to get like, that are anxious to get in, even though we all know that there is a serious, huge gap, a crunch, a, a, you know, a lack of capital for early stage and uh, early stage companies to get to Series A. We know there's a huge problem there and a huge opportunity, but you know that's that's something that a lot of other other U.S. based funds may not understand. Um, I just thought it would be a fantastic opportunity for American investors, whether they are angel or institutional, to fund into African continents because the exchange rate is very good. They get such a bang for the buck because the equivalent a hundred thousand dollar amount in the u.s if you convert that to our currency here that's a huge amount of money that can do even more with much better returns so doesn't that incentivize them okay that's the first problem and the second thing is if only uh, correct me if i'm wrong 0.4 percent of total venture capital fund went to black founders that are american-based 0.4% within America. What chance do black founders have outside of America? That's 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 a that's a really good question. Um, uh, so first first one, yes, that should definitely be an incentive. I as there is a there is I was on a call yesterday, and someone you know and someone was saying, yeah, we need runway for the next three months. 1.1 million. One what was it? 1. Point something million naira, and. I did the math and it was like three or four thousand dollars. You know, like what for three months, right? Like what is that even? You know, like that's 
you know, imagine, imagine being, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's like capital efficiency, you know, leveraging like um, currency, you know, currency arbitrage. Like it's, it's, it's unknown. It's like unheard of, right? So you're right. There, it, that should be an incentive. That should be an incentive. But once again, um, the lack of incentive is not necessary. You could put a, a lot of incentives on the board, but I think it ultimately comes down to the will and the interest. And I, I just don't know if we're there yet. Um, we're probably going to have to see more, more success stories, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, and, and the thing with venture capital is that, you know, it's kind of uh, talking about the, <laughs> talking about the space again, but it's kind of like, it's like, there's like a sheep, there's like a herd mentality, right? So, you know, if one person, if a couple, you know, I, I think Gray, Graycroft, which is a major VC fund, is in South Africa. But if we, if we start to see funds that are like, oh yeah, we're we're going to Africa. If we see one or two funds that make a loud, a big deal out of it, I I'm I am certain, I'm certain that you'll start to see an acceleration of funds that are are, are looking towards the continent. It becomes it's a competitive industry. People are looking for ways to figure it out. Like people will throw money to figure it out. And and the sad part about it is that it has to be, you know, it, it's going to have to be like the early movers that are trying to make it happen. So we'll see on that side. It's it's it, I think the the incentives the incentives can align. The incentives are there. It's just a matter of will. Um, on the second part, um, you're correct. And and to be completely honest, I. I think uh, on the 0.4% of black founders getting funding in the United States, that is correct. Um, it, I, I have a feeling that it's going to change significantly. And, and here's, and, and, and I hope this will age well, but here's why I say that. I think that there's capital being allocated to black investor, investment professionals at, a, at an increasingly high rate. So that, I think that's one. I think two, Companies are looking to diversify, or VC funds are looking to diversify. Um, I think that's that's significant as well. And I think with diversity comes more inclusive deal flow management, and then also becomes and and it's more inclusive decision making um, um, opportunities. And so I think that percentage is going to change now. Even if it, even if you know, even at that 0.4 percent, there's still a significant amount of you know room for growth. But your 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 question is, do African founders do do Af African founders, um, you know, what are the chances for African founders? Here here's where I think um, I think the opportunity becomes um, bigger. Um, United States has uh, what was it? I think like this just in Q1. Right, I think it's what is it thirty? Um, Try to see. Um, I don't even. I don't. I don't have the number on me. But in just in Q one, right? I, I'm not sure. Let's say like. Let's say, um, you know, like in terms of money raised, like in Q one, Q two of this year. Let's just say it's like, I don't know, 20, 25 billion dollars um, just raised 
in um in in Q1 Q2 right or Q1 at least okay um what that is still just a portion of venture capital around the world and i think it becomes a, it becomes a conversation around you know we there are other pools of capital that that can be they can be you know exposed and i it's going to it's going to take some time on the us side i'm sure but there are there are already europeans and the europeans you know there are european funds that are that are aggressively looking at i in africa there are asian funds that are aggressively i in africa and so when i look at like the opportunity from that side I see more capital. Um, I see more capital opportunity, you know, outside the United States for now. But once again, I think things are going to change in the next twelve to four, like twelve to uh, twelve to sixteen months. Okay. Would you recommend an African company to register in the United States to make it easier for funding? Would that even make any sense at all? And what are the pros and cons of that? Pros. Yes, you make it easier to invest, you know, companies can, you know, I think there's a, there's a value to that. Cons, you expose yourself to tax, <laughs> to the American tax system. Um, and, you know, there's extra fees for maintenance as well. So that becomes an issue in itself. And now you're paying for that in US dollars. And you're, you know, so I think, I think, I, I see why people do it, and, and it's very effective. Uh, but if that's going to be the case, I think the United States also has to do a lot more work to help that make, make that a viable option uh, for, for companies. Um, I, I just my, my, challenge, my challenge is that I would, I would only do it if there was a, if there was a transaction contingent on an American entity. So I would have already, so as a founder, I'm at a place where I have, you know, where a, where a company has said, we'll invest in you, go open an American, go open an American entity and then we'll invest. Like if there is that conversation, that's when I would do it, but I wouldn't do it any earlier. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, I do understand the value of having one, now, if your capital, like if you have the capital to invest in that, then go ahead, then do that. But if you're capital constrained, don't put that on the top of your priority list. Okay, I suppose uh, you're correct. If there is a actual memorandum of understanding, a written contract, then then do it. the The other aspect is one of the frustrations is hearing the story of this new startup called Clubhouse. That's a mere seed, mere. Uh, basic, basic platform, with it, which was an idea that ran as a trial that received $10 million in seed funding, pre, pre-seed funding, to develop this. And people are asking, oh my goodness, here is the same guy who then releases $2 million as a result of the protests and the riots uh, to, to fund African startup, uh, sorry, African-American startups in the whole country. So he gives $2 million for everybody, people of color, and then he gives this one guy $10 million for a pre-seed idea. Does that not grind your gear, gears a little bit? So, I am... Uh, are you talking about Andreessen Horowitz? 
And Richard Horowitz, he's an investment in the pre-seed startup called Clubhouse, the shareable yeah. audio thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Horowitz. Um, so I have so here here's where here's where it gets. So I am, you know, the validity the validity of Clubhouse and audio micro messaging platforms aside, right? So that that whole thing aside. You know, from an investor perspective, I don't see the value in it. Um, I, you know, they were able to get a bunch of people that were, you know, you know, Oprah was just on it. Like they, they you know, essentially created, you know, a social site for, you know, like, um, you know, uh, everybody else. Right. You know, so instead of, you know, dealing with, you know, the people on Twitter and Facebook, they've created their own social media site for you know, they're, the, you know, kind of like the, essentially like the, you know, the, the 1% of the population, essentially. So I, I have my own, and, and that's limited. I, I have not put much brain share into like the validity of the technology, the platform or anything like that. So I will not, I don't think I should like discuss the, I don't, you know, just, just on, just on principle, I would not have, you know, I would not have invested $10 million in something like that. And and that is because my thesis is different, right? I'm actually looking at things that'll solve solve bigger problems than just giving you know giving a, a very exclusive group of people opportunities to talk with each other. Is it is it that I'm sure that's important in some way, but for me that's just not what I would invest in, right? Um, and when I think about the money, like that's their that's their fund, that that they 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 deploy, you know, they've made so much here, they've made so much, they've made, you know, they've made so much money over the last couple of years, they can do that if they want to, right? That's that's that is what we, that that is how you get the oppor- the opportunity to do that by consistently winning and having you know recycling capital, returning capital to your your limited partners and having you know having capital to do transactions like this that may not make sense to the common person but they're you know they're kind of moonshot opportunities for them right sure um so i don't i may not understand it but it's maybe it's you know um now now at the same time when that goes when that 10 million goes out um you have to also understand that the 10 million dollars that went to clubhouse is different than the two million dollars that went to the um, T uh, the um, what is it the TO the TO fund or what is, what is the name of the fund? Uh, I'm not sure what the name is. I just know it was meant for African American founders. Yeah. So th- those the, so that those, those the, that money went came from two different pools, right? So there's the investment vehicle that uh, um, Anderson Horowitz has. That's um, that's where that 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 ten million came from there. The two million dollars came from the one of the from one of the, the partners, right? So the partners directly gave two million dollars, right, um, to this fund as a, a, an essentially um, a very interesting kind of um, vehicle, quasi philanthropic, quasi kind of gifting, quasi, you know, it's a very like a very interesting like. Um, vehicle essentially that money will will be used to um create programming and help invest in mentor um 
early stage African uh, black black founders, right? Um, that that was essentially like what what de is deemed to be a a donation, right? Um, now I don't look at those two like so I don't look at those two themes as the same thing, right? I see that I see that a, a person taking their personal wealth and putting it on an opportunity in their company that makes sense. And I see a company making a decision to back a company that they think has an opportunity. So I think those two are, are two different things to me. Um, now, when I look at it from a raw numbers perspective, should you know, should a company put the ten million dollars into this um, um, this platform, uh, this this fund that will essentially work with African American entrepreneurs, Black entrepreneurs? Sure, yeah, but you know that's. That's semantics at the end. It's not semantics, but that's not my place to say. Like, would that have been better? Sure, yeah. But I, I think that it just, uh, they're categorically two different things, right? Um, and sometimes I think, um, sometimes it's tough to understand that, like, the business side or the financial side of, like, uh, venture capital to understand that those are two different things. Well, I've read somewhere that a successful system uh, that is the funding system for it to become equal and fair and equitable so that everyone has a fair share is when we will see the first black founder who is also like Elizabeth Theranos, who yes. gets invested in for out of pure sheer luck and, and, and the fact that she was able to experiment with a billion dollars for no reason. That's the first, that's a sign that things have equalized. That That is hilarious. And I think there's a, there's a Chris Rock video, um, there's a Chris Rock video that Chris Rock talks about this and he's like, you know, major league, major league baseball. Um, everyone thinks that, you know, um, major league baseball became equal when Jackie Robinson, you know, started playing baseball in the, in the major leagues, but it's not true. Statistically, um, major league baseball became, um, equal when in the seventies, when black people were, black like black people that weren't that good were playing baseball you know and that's it um okay and true true uh, what did he say true equality true equality is the opportunity to suck and still be and still come back and and learn from your sucking and be successful okay what can entrepreneurs who are based either in america or in africa how can they get in touch with you and what kind of businesses do you look for? What is your criteria for you to help them in funding uh, in, in America? Oh, uh, yeah. So um, normally I, um, in terms of, I'm, I'm always available on Twitter. Um, Twitter is actually the best place. Um, Chica, uh, at Chica Umedi. Umedi. Uh, that's, that, on, to be honest, that's the best place. Um, I could give my email, but Twitter is the best place to find me. Um, in terms of companies that I look for, uh, right now, uh, we're, we're really interested in the future, future of work across industries. Uh, so, um, we're working with a company right now, uh, early stage company, they're a service, you know, they're service-based business, but they, because of COVID-19, they have to think, they had to think about the ways they, they, they work and collaborate. So they're building technology to help them do that, you know? Um, so. I'm, I'm interested in talking to founders 
who are solving this this concept of the future of work and what it looks like. And that could there are a ton of other things that I'm looking at, but like right now that's what I'm really interested in. And the future of work in Africa, future of work in the United States, I'm I'm really interested. Um really interested in, in talking to founders around that. Um, you know, uh when I think about what that you know, I I, I like I like founders who who at least have a product in market. If they don't have a product in market, they have like, you know, they've done the the research and the experimentation to validate their unique value proposition, um, you know, but it, the closer you are to product and, you know, having customers, the easier it is to have conversations around how I can help. Um, and yeah, that that's pretty much it. Um, in terms of regions, uh, right now we've got some, we've got, we're, we've got some activity in South Africa. Uh, we've got some activity in Tanzania, Kenya, Nigeria, uh, Guinea as well. Uh, so we, you know, we're kind of heavy on the, the Anglophone side and, you know, but, you know, we're, we're also exploring Lusophone, Francophone Africa as well. Um, so that, that, that's kind of where we are right now. So what's Matt, what's happening out there? Let me know. What's, what's, uh, what's the, what's the big news? Well, um, there's a lot going on. Um, there's so there there's it's kind of like a perfect storm of uh situations going on at the moment um you have political uncertainty with the elections coming up in uh, november uh you have market uncertainty as a result of covid19 uh and political uncertainty you have social uncertainty uh because of the uh response to uh, kind of the influx of, of you know, kind of the re reawakening of the reality that uh, blacks in America, black people in America, have uh, been dealing with uh, systematic race, systematic and institutional racism uh, uh, flaring up again because of because of the uh, George Floyd and countless others like him. Uh, being, you know, things being caught on video or things like that. Uh, you know, we, you have that social unrest start, starting to um, gain steam in a way that we have never really seen before. Um, so with all of those things going on, you know, there's definitely a lot more uncertainty in the United States right now than there's ever been Um and actors in the markets, actors politically, actors socially are, 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 are acknowledging that and acting, acting, you know, acting that, you know, acting in that reality as well. Do you sense a change or do you feel this is just another angry mob and the country goes back to normal when people calm down or will there be something real after this? There's going to be, I think there's, this is not just an angry, this is just not an angry mob. Uh, there are, um, you know, I look back at uh, some of the people that have been in the civil rights movement in the United States for the last, you know, for the last, this has been their life's work. People like, um, you know, Al Sharpton, Angela Davis, and talking to them and, and, and listening to what they have to say, 
they're they're blown away by they feel like something's different. Uh, they feel like the the eyes of allies have been opened. They feel like there's undeniable evidence that this this thing that systematic this thing called systematic racism, institutional racism, uh, the challenges with the police, there's there's no way to run away from it. Uh, they feel like people um, people who normally would be able to write it off uh, can't write it off anymore. Um, and so there's there's huge social upheaval and collective collective realization of a and a, a country that has been treating a, a particular group of people like other for most of its founding starting to now come to realization that things have to change and the way that you know I think the way that things are changing now as we look at you know kind of tangibly and the reason why I say that it's different is there are three major things for me that are that are totally different um one this movement is extremely decentralized right uh because of things like social media because of the democratization of cameras this movement is there's no there's no head person to take out here there's no um there's no one really you know driving there's no one individual driving the the agenda here uh so it's decentralized and as it's decentralized different regions of the united states are responding accordingly so it's not just and, and what i mean by responding accordingly is if you see the velocity of policy changes um you know policy changes that are happening you'll see that there's there's real impetus on the the the, the right you know the government side local and national to get this right to seize the moment um and if you look back at like things like the civil rights movement in the united states there is definitely social there's social the, the civil rights social the social side of the civil rights movement the boycotts the protests were working but it it, it worked hand in hand with the the legal the changing of the legal framework and I believe that if I look back and use that as a reference point, we're seeing the same thing in um, we're seeing the same thing now, but in an accelerated in an accelerated um, in, a, in a more accelerated uh, process. And then on top of that legal change, there's there's a real social change happening as well. It's not just protests. It's there are a lot of people really thinking about how they are perpetuating you know racism in their own way may maybe at a micro microaggression here or you know um rules and bias that they've that they've created in their industries i think a lot of people are having those conversations okay uh, one thing uh, that really took me back is how international it became there were people who were inspired by George Floyd in their own countries of similar experiences of racism. And I saw all over Europe, um, Australia, people asking about their own identities of racism in that particular country as well. For example, Aboriginal rights, um, uh, for example, the rights of uh, the natives that live in Canada, um, as well as 
the, the native population that are identified as other, so to speak, in, in some parts of Europe, even some parts of uh, Russia. Even South Africa has got on the boat. And everyone's like, hey, we've been at this already, you know. We've been fighting this for a long time. I can see uh, the way the people fought, the way they were writing, the way they were shouting, the way they were demanding. It, it, it For me, it felt different as well. It felt like this is a decentralized movement. In fact, if this was a startup, if this movement was a startup, we would say this is actually um, protesting by blockchain. Would you agree? <laughs> I would definitely agree. I definitely agree. <laughs> um, I, w- I would. That 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 is a that is a brilliant analogy. Um, and and to be completely honest, I, I you know that is what gave this theme in a way. So I think. Hmm. Once again, a kind of a, a superstorm of realities uh, came to bear in this situation. Um, I so you know racism against black populations across the world has always been an issue. Um, and the institution of racism has always been a challenge for just about every person with a darker shade of skin. Um, the difference the difference is that we didn't there this sounds really this sounds bad but we didn't have anything else going on because of how the world was frozen due to covid uh we didn't have anything else to kind of point our eyes at or look look the other there's nothing else to look the other way to right um with covid with COVID-19, you know, they're, they're really, it, it happened twofold, right? So one, you know, especially in the United States, COVID was disproportionately affecting black, black people in general. Um, and that, and that was, you know, that was happening. And it seemed like as that data was coming out, the United, you know, the United States on a federal side made a decision there, you know, they, it felt like it was, you know what, we have to make a decision around either opening the economy or increasing the amount, you know, increasing the likelihood that people, you know, people are going to continue to die, right? And there's a decision made, um, for better or for worse, um, and it was, you know, kind of pushed out to the states and the states kind of made the decision themselves. But at a certain point, you know, that was happening. And, you know, it's not necessarily that COVID-19 is a, is a racist, <laughs> a racist flu, right? But it's that the there there's there are other systemic issues in the United States that were enhancing the reality that people, uh, black people, would be sick and end up dying, right? Um, so I think COVID on the United States side was a trigger. It was a catalyst, not trigger, but it was a catalyst. And then the idea that there was nothing else going on, right? There literally people are still in their homes or making the transition. Um, there was a lot of like angst around the, you know, there are people losing, you know, job, job, job numbers, uh, unemployment numbers spiked at a certain point to, I think, what, 20 or 30 million people unemployed. Um, there were people dying. Uh, there were... You know, there was just so much going on 
And then to have George Floyd, uh, you know, and then have, you know, also uh, Breonna Taylor, have a, 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 um, have a lot of these people kind of in that same situation where they didn't, they didn't have to die was just, it was just adding, it was adding um, gas to the, it was adding gas to the fire that was, you know, that was already in existence from COVID. And I think once that happened, um, people started to see, I think globally, there 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 are there are George Floyd's and Breonna Taylor's all across the world. Black black or black people like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor all across the world. Um, and I think that's what became the catalyst for people to really see that there was there was a real injustice. And and I think that's what drove kind of the global kind of the global movement. Uh, one of the first truly global movements we've seen since uh, it's been a it's been a while. Um, I mean, Arab Spring protests weren't. Um, I don't even know if they were as global as this global in reach as this. But yeah, I think that's what really drove it. I think so. The virus definitely played a part. Uh, it, it cascaded into economic hardship that then cascaded into job losses, which then cascaded into the riots. Um, uh, definitely. Definitely, I agree there. In fact, I protests wanted to carry riots. on... Pro pro protests and riots. And protests riots. and riots, exactly. <laughs> uh, not mutually exclusive, apparently, and it also can be inclusive, depending on how you look at it. Um, uh, there was there was this uh, poignant video of a lady that said, "Of course, it's going to burn down. Of course, things are going to burn down because if you destroy the relationship you have with us, I'm going to destroy the relationship you you have uh, with your property. So there is no right way to protest, as people say. So this is the anger that's coming out. If you have no other option, no one listens to you. If you simply stand still, if you simply take a knee." and you still get ignored, only other option is the riot. So I sort of uh, sympathize uh, with that, definitely. 